I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. Today I want to share with you some of the insights and reflections of author-photographer extraordinaire, Paola Gianturco. Many of you will know her as the author of Grandmother Power, a global phenomenon. And full disclosure, Paola covers the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign in the book, and she has generously donated all the royalties to the Stephen Lewis Foundation for the campaign. Paola is the author of six books and has documented women's issues in 62 countries. Her photographs have been exhibited around the world. She's done a TED Talk, been a guest on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and amongst many other recognitions. In 2017, the YWCA inducted her into the Marin Women's Hall of Fame. You'll also hear about Paula's most recent venture, a terrific book co-authored with her 11-year-old granddaughter, Alex Sangster, called Wonder Girls, Changing Our World. I'm so happy to have Paula, my friend and colleague, with us today. So, Paula, thank you for joining me today. And I thought I'd like to start with the whole subject of grandmotherhood. There's something special about being a grandmother. All the grandmothers that I've spoken to seem to be in on something. And I was wondering, what can you illuminate for us? And has being a grandmother changed you? Oh, my goodness. That's a huge question. (laughs) Being a grandmother has changed my life. It is more fun than I ever imagined it could be. It is an educational experience. I've learned so much from my granddaughters. There are two of them. Um, Mm -hmm. I have just actually authored a book, co-authored a book with the older one of the two. So being a grandmother has totally changed my world. And like every grandmother whom I have ever talked with, I am completely in love with these girls. Um, (laughs) So that is the one commonality that I've discovered in talking with grandmothers literally all over the world. I interviewed 17 different groups of grandmothers for my book, Grandmother Power, and they are all activist grandmothers. I guess I am too. All of those activist grandmothers are planning and executing and implementing projects that will make the world a better place for their grandchildren. They simply look around and say, our troubled world is simply not good enough for my grandchildren. And they get to work. Right. And I've heard that so much too. And I've thought about this a lot, Paula. What do you think is the difference between grandmotherly love and the way that motivates you and the grandmothers that you spoke to around the world and motherly love? What is that potent alchemy that we don't hear enough about? It is potent alchemy. I think there is a dimension that says that this new generation really is our legacy, that we want for them 
even more than we wanted for our own children, which was already a lot, by the way. (laughs) And additionally, there is a dimension about competence and knowledge. Those of us who are now grandmothers have lived our lives long enough that we have learned a great deal about how to have an impact and how to channel our outrage at injustice and our uh, love of our grandchildren. There is a kind of nexus between those two things. affords us a way to cause change that really can improve things for our grandchildren and for future generations. I hear so many grandmothers talking in exactly the way you just have about using their wisdom, their experience, their outrage, and, and maybe even losing some of the self-consciousness of younger womanhood. And at the same time, many of them talk about feeling invisible and not having their contributions being recognized or noted. Why do you think that that happens? It was that very aspect of grandmothering was one of the reasons that I wanted to do the book Grandmother Power. There were many reasons, but that was one. It seemed to me that so often grandmothers' voices, knowledge, and experience are either demeaned or discounted. And at the same time, the grandmothers I had begun meeting were ordinary women doing extraordinary things, but without an acknowledgement. And I wanted to document those grandmothers and their important work. Yeah, absolutely. And did you form a theory about why that was? that there are so many vital grandmothers engaging in social change, and yet we're not hearing about them? In many cultures across the world, women in general are discounted and demeaned. It was that aspect that first inspired me to do books about women and girls around the world. So partly the quieting of grandmothers' voices comes as a result of the fact that they are women. In some cultures, additionally, they are stilled and silence. I mean, the range that I saw of grandmother treatment ranged from giving grandmothers an enormous amount of power, particularly within families, and ranged all the way to grandmothers who were essentially isolated in compounds from their communities, and a young girl was sent out to feed them once a day, which even still is happening in some places. And so the range of behavior toward grandmothers was the full spectrum. It isn't certainly true that all grandmothers are silenced. Some grandmothers are silenced. Some grandmothers are very vocal. Yes, (laughs) and some are writing books. (laughs) Exactly. Another aspect of grandmother's power today, which is part of the question that you just asked, results, I think, because there are simply more grandmothers alive on the planet today than there have ever been. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a long time, there were no people living beyond the age of about 30. So today, certainly there are more grandmothers than there have ever been. I don't know how many there are in Canada. I live in the United States and there are estimated to be some 42, maybe 45 million by now who are grandmothers in the United States. So part of the power of grandmothers and part of the visibility of grandmothers in some cultures is happening as a result of demographics. And I can't help but ask this question 
question. If our societies did heed the voices and recognized the contributions of grandmothers, what do you think would happen? I think it has the potential to make a huge difference in several areas that particularly resonate in my experience working with grandmothers for the book and in my own personal experience. One is, I think the potential for gender equality would increase. And I think the potential for accepting and valuing diversity mm-hmm. um, among people would also increase. I mean, grandmothers affect not just girls, which is where I have put my emphasis next, but boys. And it seems to me that the effects that grandmothers have in those areas particularly have the potential to change the way both boys and girls as grandchildren see the world. And I want to talk a little bit about your own experience around working with your own granddaughter, because you, as you mentioned, you've written this important book with your 11-year-old granddaughter, Alex, Wonder Girls, about young girls and young women running nonprofits around the world and engaging actively in social justice work. And I wanted to ask you, how did being Alex's grandmother affect your experience of working with these young women and interviewing them around the world and giving them voice? My experience with my granddaughters has been since they were very small, very close. We had, as they were growing up, a club. It was called The Grands. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be in that club. Not yet. You can be later. You can even have your own chapter. (laughs) It happened quite spontaneously. They call the other grandmother grandma, and they call me grandmother. They had just been with her one time when I was visiting them, and they were just mortified because by mistake they were calling me grandma, not grandmother. (laughs) And I said, it doesn't matter. We're all grand. And if you are five and eight, which is what they were then, that sounds like a club. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately, the older one said, oh, grandmother, we need a pledge. And I said, what is it? She was practically rapping. She said, we are grand. We'll always be grand. Together we'll stand. We'll lend a helping hand. (laughs) And her younger sister was saying, she was missing four front teeth at this point. <laughs> so she couldn't say S's. And she said, Grandmother, we need a Logan. <laughs> and I said, what is our slogan, Avery? And she said, we are grand. We'll always be grand. Go grand. So we have meetings and we did all kinds of things together. We made beaded necklaces and we made doll clothes and so forth. And when I had the idea of doing Wonder Girls Changing Our World, which I saw as part of a triptych, by the way, it was the natural follow-on to grandmother power that I would then go to girls. It occurred to me that because I was then 75, 6 when I was thinking about this project, that the project would be very much benefited by having someone on my author team who was much closer to the girls' ages than I was. All of the girls in the book are ages 10 to 18. And so I invited 
invited Alex to think about doing this book with me, and she wanted to immediately. And I said, just a minute, I have to ask Avery. Avery, because we had never done anything separately. So I talked to Avery, and Avery said, it's okay, grandmother, I'm not a very good storyteller. I have to tell you that has now changed uh, now that she's seen what it is like to do a book with a grandmother <laughs> from afar because she's been watching Alex and me. She t- just recently told me, grandmother, I just want you to know that I was born to write. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about legacy, Paula. <laughs> so what was it like to do this book with Alex? Mm-hmm. For one thing, everybody told me, oh, Alex is so lucky. She's working with a grandmother who has done five or six books, and she's going to learn so much. I'll tell you something. Nobody understood how much I would learn from Alex in many, many ways. And throughout what really is several years of um, the need for responsible follow-through and activity, she was very serious about her role and always did exactly what was required, including interviewing by Skype or FaceTime 70 girls in 13 countries because she had to continue to go to school. She couldn't travel with me. I interviewed 102, but she interviewed 70. And she wrote a section at the end of each chapter about how you, the reader, and the girls in your life can support the work of the activist girls in each chapter. She also took photographs. I had given Alex a camera when she was two, when she was so little that all of her pictures were pictures of people's feet and the dog's tail. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It was a wonderful way to see the world through her eyes. But by the time she was 11, she had nine years of photographic experience, had long since graduated to a DSLR. And because she wasn't a trained photographer, she was completely free about composition and creativity and shoot with her, which I did in four locations. We did interviews and uh, photographs together in California in three places and in Guadalajara, Mexico. It was really electrifying to me. She really pushed me because she was so creative and imaginative as she thought about it. This is a very long way to add another point to a question you asked previously. I think one of the things that might happen as a result of grandmother's voices being heard more completely is that maybe, maybe it would put an end to ageism. Just possible that if people began to understand, as I have now, that if you are 11 or if you are, I'm now 78, you can still contribute in very important ways. The potential exists for you to be very powerful in the world and cause important change, no matter what age you are. That's a really beautiful thought, actually, that grandmothers having the relationships that they do and not always having their voices heard would understand the power of amplifying the voices of other generations. I love that thought. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was that in my many conversations with many grandmothers in so many different contexts, one of the things that strikes me when, they, when they're talking to me about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing, they feel a kind of personal freedom to speak their minds, that there's a kind of liberatory aspect to aging. Have you felt that and have you seen it in your conversations with grandmothers and, and how does that operate in your own experience? 
I think in addition to demographics, let's go back to something we were talking about earlier. In addition to demographics being part of the grandmother movement, part of the cause of the grandmother movement, the fact is that women who are, I don't know the age of the average grandmother in Canada, in the U.S., because of the huge groundswell of boomers, the majority of the grandmothers are actually between about 45 and 64. Those are the women who were students in the 60s. Most of them weren't inhibited about expressing their opinion. Many of them had participated in protesting the Vietnam War, had participated in generating new awareness and different behaviors around the women's movement and civil rights. This is a very feisty and outspoken generation. Mm -hmm. So separate from having grandmotherhood affect their willingness to speak out, they came into grandmothering with some experience speaking out. And that was true not just in the U.S. and Canada, I think, but also in England and France and Germany and Italy, where students mm -hmm. were catalyzing public opinion during the 60s. Those students are grandmothers today, right. and they are not about to stop advocating for change, agitating. So Absolutely. there is part of the inclination of grandmothers whom I interviewed to speak out came from that experience. So it's hard for me to know how much that experience, as opposed to grandmothering per se, is responsible for that outspokenness. Fair enough. And I guess just to bring us to a close, one of the things I wanted to ask you as someone who has really thought a lot about grandmothers and grandmotherhood and the really essential contribution that so many grandmothers are making, if you had one thing that you wanted the world to know about grandmothers and grandmother power, what would it be? Listen to them. Right. And then listen to more. <laughs> That's right. And therein lies the entire raison d'etre for a podcast of Grandmother's <laughs> Voices. Thank you so much, Paula. It was such a delight and an honor to talk to you and have you share your insights with us. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.